He's an IT leader who has served and excelled at all levels of software development, leadership and management. And his specialty is charting a new direction for software engineering, finding innovative technologies and leading implementation teams to a high quality delivery. With more than 40 years of professional development experience and forward-looking thinking, he provides expert advice to critical decisions. In today's episode, let us chat with Chuck Weindorf about an interesting topic, the four engineer job personality types. This is the Guiding Voice podcast series, the Guiding Voice for a Better Future. Friends, I'm your host Navin Samala, just a fellow IT professional on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe. And through the Guiding Voice, we help and enable successful leaders share their knowledge and wisdom with the world so that our audience will acquire more knowledge by tuning into our platform than any other podcast in this space. Thank you so much for joining me today and we are extremely pleased to have Chuck part of TGV's journey in shaping the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Chuck, hearty welcome to The Guiding Voice and I'm super excited to have you part of today's conversation. Hi Naveen, thank you very much. I'm, I'm pleased to be here and I, I can't wait to talk to you. You have 40 years of professional experience in the IT industry and maybe you can briefly cover how has been your journey along with the top three things that have helped you so far to be successful in your professional life, Chuck. Oh, sure. Uh, so my journey had started as, a, as a, an intern engineer uh, all the way through uh, getting into leadership and, and management. And the key parts for me that have helped me along the way is, uh, first is, is a constant learning. You know, how do I learn the next thing? Uh, anyone who learns well in, in information technology will be rewarded because it is constantly changing. Uh, I think persistence is key. So uh, the willingness to go the extra mile and to not give up and to continue to fight through problems is key. And the third thing is uh, be a willingness to take chances. So what is a good chance? Uh, what, what is something to challenge myself and to take the next step? And uh, each of those things, uh, not everyone will take a chance like that. And so you can find some very interesting opportunities by taking chances. So it's about continuous learning, persistence, and willingness to go extra mile. And most importantly, take the next step, have that particular gut instincts. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing those uh, tips. And now let's move ahead and talk about the four engineer job personality types that you refer to. Right. So can you explain to our audience as well? Check. Sure. Certainly. Uh, in, in the book I was writing about the different personalities, uh, I found that they were fairly distinct. One is a, is a genius. Uh, information technology engineers are very smart people. And it's they, their minds move a million miles an hour and they have great ideas. The all star is another uh, type of personality in, in engineering. And the all star is that person who just loves technical work. And they want to do all of the hardest things all of the time. And uh, so teams with an all-star, you need an all-star to be on your team to help do some of the best work. Uh, another personality type is, is the introverted personality type. And that is someone who is maybe a little quieter, less likely to be outgoing. And uh, let's say public speaking is difficult for them, but they have that wonderful inner focus that lets them do terrific code because they can see it in their minds and they can uh, they can concentrate very well. And, and finally, and this is a wild card character, uh, uncommon sense is, is what I call it. And, and what it is, is, is just 
the the personality of engineers is a little different than the average person. And so sometimes you have to understand that there's a little less common sense in a in a really smart engineer and you have to communicate more clearly or more directly so that you can uh, make sure you have an understanding. And so those are the four types of personalities that I find commonly in information technology engineering. That's a great observation, Chuck. And now let's move on and talk about how can we communicate effectively with these personality types so that uh, we motivate them, all the four different personalities. Yes, and that and that and that's a great question. Uh, the, the genius personality type, because they're so smart, they can build things that are very complicated. And sometimes as a manager, my job in communicating to our, our smartest of our engineers was to say, can you make it simpler? <laughs> can you be a more direct? Can it be more reliable? Uh, can we sacrifice an unneeded feature for extra speed or quality? And so that's the challenge of communication with the, the genius will always want to do the hardest things or the most uh, spectacular features, but can we bring it back to just what the business needs? And so that's the, uh, the avenue I use with geniuses. The all-stars, uh, typically an all-star is self-motivated. They want to go and go and go, and they want to take on uh, difficult work and, and do the most uh, difficult things constantly. So my challenge with the all-star is to communicate that they need to share their knowledge. So all of those great things they're able to do, they need to take a junior engineer and bring a junior engineer along so so that we have others learning from their great experience. It, sometimes it's easy for a manager to say, hey, top engineer, you go do it and we're going to get it done fast. But a smart uh, manager will bring others along so that you end up with more all-stars at the end of the day. The introverts, uh, the, the trick with introverts in conversation is to say a little bit and then try and listen to what they're saying back. Since they say so few words or maybe not very loud words, every word I find from an introvert is, is valuable. And they have a lot of insights that if I can stop my mouth for a minute because I'm a talker, then I can start hearing what the introvert has to say and, and I learn a lot. And finally, an uncommon sense, uh, I think just, just like we talked a moment ago, the, the trick with uncommon sense is to make sure we all have an understanding. Uh, so I, I had an engineer with me and I, I told this engineer who was new to the United States, I said, when I started in computers, I got in on the ground floor. Personal computers had just been invented when I was starting my career. And this individual thought that the ground floor was the first floor of the building. So he's downstairs looking for, you know, okay, where are these computers down here? No, 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 no. The ground floor meant I was, I was in the first group that started. And so uncommon sense just has to do with making sure you've, uh, you've got a common understanding. That's wonderful. I loved all the examples. And yeah, in fact, it is. Uh, uh, so th these tips will definitely help our audience in terms of establishing great communication with various personality types and all. And now shifting gears slightly and talking about the biggest challenge in these days, okay, where companies are trying to bring their employees back to work. And nowadays, uh, we are calling it as uh, employees are having upper hand compared to employers, right? And they are dictating the terms in a way, right? So how do we make sure that the teams return to the office and so that they go smoothly after a year away or so? Boy, that is the biggest challenge this year that I'm hearing from my colleagues. And it comes down to having employees know that there are advantages to coming together and working as a team. So the, the place that I, I want to focus on with teams coming back together is 
we all want to win as a as a group and we want to help each other out. And there are good uh, collaboration uh, techniques that happen when we're in the same room together. We have more opportunity for innovation. We have more opportunity to help each other when there is a difficult problem. And that, let's say, our, our some of our engineers have forgotten those great things that we had when we were working together. And it's it's mostly, uh, uh, you know, it's less of my generation who worked in the office for so long. It's it's more of the newer uh, generation of saying, no, there's, there's some really good reasons to come back uh, to work together. So some it will take time to get those habits to come back. It will take uh, flexible management to be able to offer our employees, uh, let's say, some benefits of coming back to working together. So we have to be attentive to making this a really welcoming and happy workplace when we come back together. And we need to be, this is in foremost in my mind, is we need to be careful with meetings and other sessions that we might want to do to get everybody together, but it might waste time. So I want to have a nice balance of uh, when we get together as a team and work together and when we need some time to focus on our own engineering and work. So there's a there's a good balance that can happen uh, and management will need to be flexible. Mm-hmm. So these days I've seen on LinkedIn various uh, organizations, what they're doing is they're celebrating a return to office party kind of thing in a grand gala, welcoming everybody and all. Likewise, uh, are there any other techniques to ensure that uh, these employees are excited about returning rather than dreading it? I, I like the idea of, a, of a, let's say, a grand reopening of the office and having folks celebrate. But I do think that then the the frontline manager, the, the supervisor of small groups needs to continue the momentum and to encourage some things within the team. For example, just bringing in a meal, even if it's simple as pizzas or something small, would be great to have the team spend time together socially and uh, to help uh, sponsor a couple of those social events. Uh, I think another thing uh, that I that I would propose doing with a small group is uh, we we do something around Christmas time called a Secret Santa, where each person get picks a name out of a hat and you get a gift from this person. And I know it's August, but I would probably try something like that just to have a little bit more of that personal connection between the engineers and the t- people on the team. Uh, just things to remind them that, uh, hey, your, your friends work here and you get to see them every day and that's a good thing. Yeah, that, that's an interesting thought. And now let's talk about this uh, budget cuts. And the moment we come across this recession, uh, fear creeps in our minds and uh, we think about job impact and a lot of... Uh, uncertainty and which will which is not good for the employee morale and all right so how can we eliminate the fear for the teams so that our teams need not hear about the budget cuts and any other practical administrative issues as such you know that that's a delicate topic for any good leader to to work with and whether you're a leader as a manager or a leader as a more senior engineer i think we can we can work together to keep the day-to-day work Uh, keep it fun, keep it moving, and try and take those long-term issues like with a management team, things like budget cuts or or changes in personnel uh, to not dwell on those and to let employees know, hey, we want to continue to do our work, do well, and and have uh, uh, a good time here. And it's it's not good for the employees to be weighed down with a day-to-day briefing on, hey, things aren't going well or things are going to have to change. Because uh, the only way to work a company out of those kind of problems is to have your team produce excellent things. 
And uh, I've always believed that in, in the toughest of situations, the best of work is still required. And it's the, the best thing for the company and for the employee to be able to say, I know it's been tough here lately, but I've done well. Companies will keep some of their best talent. So encouraging your team to do the best they can does help them in the long run. And if the worst happens that it's time to find another role in another place, then they're well prepared. They've, they've done great things. Mm-hmm. All right. So in your 40 years of experience, right, uh, what are some best practices that you have followed or observed from your leaders to make sure that the team members are performing the best? Yes, that's uh, it's easy for engineers to get caught up with certain problems. Let's say there's an interesting problem over here, but it's not that important. Uh, it's good for a manager to be able to say, okay, go from this problem over to a more important problem and let's solve that first. So helping set priorities for the team means that those, those engineers are focused on the most valuable fixes and the most uh, important features versus those things that sometimes are very interesting, but they might not be that important. Uh, and so helping them along with the focus is, is a great thing to do. Giving appropriate challenges. So I, I had once was in a project and uh, uh, the manager said to me something of the effect of, hey, we want you to be the lead of this, of this particular part of the project. I'd never done anything like that before. And I said, okay, so I've got a cat and you want me to be the lion tamer at the circus. And, and he, he looked at me and he's like, well, yeah, is that going to be too difficult. And I said, well, I'm going to need help. So the manager, when we give an appropriate challenge to somebody, uh, needs to also uh, understand I might have to stop what I'm doing and help this individual uh, learn and and move along the way. So that's another way to encourage uh, excellence is by giving uh, advice and being having an open door uh, to help employees. And, And finally, it's important to know that sometimes you can give too much to an employee to do and when is a good time to shift some of the work around and then to balance the team again? And a manager needs to uh, set up a good project, but then there are adjustments along the way. All those lead to excellence. Such a profound advice. And I think, uh, yeah, uh, your experience speaks volumes, right? So these kind of tips are really helpful. And I'm sure it is going to benefit the young supervisors for sure, as well as seasoned um, leaders out there. And here comes my... Favorite question, like I was going through your profile and I found that you mentioned about this aspect of being, I mean, inculcating or instilling this culture of sense of humor, right? And going ahead with some jokes and analogies rather than covering stone hard facts and all, right? So how can we implement this humor in the daily interaction so that work never feels like work? Oh, that That is one of my favorite topics. I I constantly think that uh, life should be fun. Uh, And if I'm at work, I should have a little bit of fun there too. Uh, And, uh, you know, part of being fun is, is when you have a laugh with some of your coworkers and friends, it's, it makes things uh, just the workplace easier. So as a manager, I thought that I, I become less, um, less imposing or less, uh, standoffish or more like, you know, there are some managers you just can't walk up and talk to. Uh, But if you're a funny guy, uh, people will bring all sorts of things to you easily. So I I like to be able to use stories uh, to tell when I've made a mistake in order to teach the team, here's something we probably don't want to do (laughs) because 
I've made this mistake before, so maybe I can help you avoid this mistake or to learn from me in the process. And because I actively talk about stories that are funny or mistakes that I make, people tend to remember them. And I've had people work for me as an intern and then years later come back to me and says, hey, remember when you did this silly thing and, and we had to fix it? And, yes, I, <laughs> I certainly do remember that. And the only reason they remember it is it was funny. And so there is something about uh, the memory. Uh, I can tell you all the rules in the book and you won't remember any of them. But if I tell you a funny story about me failing about a, a certain thing, you'll probably remember. That. And that's really what I would like. The, the other part of having, having funny stories and, and things that after a tough event, we can normally take that tough event and tell something a little funny about it that happened during the process. It helps the team say, well, we'll be okay. We'll have a tough time and then we'll get through it and we'll tell a story about it and everything will be all right. The best uh, compliment I have ever received as a manager is somebody came up to me and said, you know, I I liked you on this project because whenever we talked to you, we had a feeling it would turn out okay. And it was still hard, but yeah, it's going to turn out okay. We'll figure it out. Humor helps people be relaxed and, and to just have fun. Make, make sense, absolute sense. And uh, yeah, thank you for sharing those wonderful insights. And uh, this has been a great conversation so far. Uh, check, let's, but let's add some spice to the episode. I'm going to kick off a quick rapid fire round with your consent. Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> All right. So here comes my first one. Can you share one life-changing incident that changed your perspective altogether? Oh, uh, yeah, I, uh, I was involved in one impossible project. All of us knew it was impossible. It was not just not going to meet the deadline. And uh, I think that what changed me is that you can still do excellent work in an impossible situation. It can be valuable for the company and the company will eventually figure out that it wasn't possible, uh, but they will still understand that you did good things. So that was, that was changing for me. Oh, here comes my next one. What is the best piece of advice that you have received so far? Oh, don't give up. Uh, the, the most important thing in IT is problems are all solvable. Just don't quit and you'll find them. Yeah, great. What is one word that you hate the most? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I can't stand can't. And I guess I use can't twice. But uh, folks who tell me they can't do it, uh, that's an attitude I want to try and change and to, to make them have more confidence. <laughs> All right. Now I'm curious to know top three things from your bucket list. Oh, my bucket list. Well, one one is to finish a novel I'm working on. Uh, so I would like to uh, wrap that up this year. So I'm, I'm trying to do that. I would love to go and tour Europe. So uh, Europe's one of the places I have not traveled in yet. And, uh, and finally, I, every year I try and learn one new hobby uh, or one new skill. And so I'm going to continue doing that as part of my bucket list. So interesting. All right. And good luck on all those things. Now comes my last one for the rapid fire check. What will be the electronic gadget or technology that you'd like to see or invent yourself? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I would love to have something that I could plug into my head that would help me remember all the names and titles and commands and all the things. I think my head as I I got to age 60 here got a little bit full. So I, I need extra memory. Quite interesting, actually. It is like our uh, external hard drive. We need uh, external brain. <laughs> yep, I need, I need, I need the USB connection right into the, into the side there. Quite interesting, <laughs> but but we are in the exciting times. I don't know. It could be possible in the next five to ten years. Also, we can't. <laughs> I hope so. 
Yeah, right. That was great rapid fire. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And now let's flip back to the mainstream. And uh, one final question before I let you go check. What will be your one piece of advice to those aspiring to make begin their careers? Oh, yes. I, 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 we've talked about this already in the conversation, but I, I want to refresh it. I, the ability to constantly learn means that any new opportunity that comes up within your company or within uh, uh, many companies, it, it's it, those learners seem to be able to do the most uh, new, advanced, interesting, critical things. And uh, there are plenty of, of engineers who would just like to do maintenance on things that exist. But if you have that ability to learn constantly, I think that that opens so many doors. One other piece of advice I'd give in terms of the leadership side, if, if you're willing to learn well, then you want to understand both how the technology works so you can, can help your team apply it correctly. But how do your people work best together with those technologies? That's the harder part. And that takes learning from your peers, from, from your team, seeing them work together and saying, okay, I know the best place for each of my employees to contribute to a project or to a technology, and I know where I want to challenge them and grow them. I think uh, managers who do that, their teams will shine and that will lead them to bigger and bigger leadership challenges. Simply awesome. And thank you so much for joining me and thanks for the great conversation. Thanks for your time. It was wonderful talking to you. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Thank you, Naveen. Pleasure to host you, Czech. And uh, folks, before we move into the trivia section, here is a small request to you. In case if you haven't subscribed to us, please subscribe from the app where you have tuned in from. And also, if you have loved this conversation and found it useful, request you to share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from the guiding voice. Thank you so much in advance. Now, let's hop into the previous segment of today's episode. Czech has shared a lot of insights about how to bring the remote employees back to work and how to keep them motivated. So I would like to extend the conversation about remote work and talk about some of the uh, recent findings which are reported by The Economist magazine. As per The Economist, uh, there could be over 1 billion remote workers by 2035 and uh, this is going to have a considerable impact not just the lives of remote employees but the society in general because uh, this digital no digital nomads move away from the urban centers which will lead to uh, the flourishing of tier 3, 4 cities and towns and which will also lead to significant reduction in urban decay which is plaguing most of the world's metro cities and all and it will also lead to lesser pollution and a lot of other benefits all right so that's all for today and before i let you go folks please share your topic recommendations and also guest speaker suggestions through social media or email us at theguidingvoiceforyou@gmail.com thank you so much for joining me I'm your host Navin Samala, just a fellow IT professional and a passionate learner on a mission to make a difference in the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Until next time, bye-bye.